traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Kidding, we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this gun with through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! You have meddled with the primal forces of nature! Hey, congratulations to UCP leader Danielle Smith for a huge victory last night in Alberta. Keeping Alberta safe and out of the clutches of the communists and socialists for at least four more years. Giving Canadians, well, at least Canadians with common sense, some hope for the future. Sheila Gunn-Reed from Rebel News said it correctly on the show yesterday. Alberta is Canada's Florida. And Danielle Smith is easily Canada's best premier. The big loser. The big loser in yesterday's election in Alberta was the lamestream media in this country. The CBC, Global News, CTV. They were all in the tank for Rachel Notley and the communist NDP. Did you hear this? One reporter, one female reporter on CTV, let the cat out of the bag on air during a report. She said, we are not seeing the NDP make the gains we were hoping. We were hoping. This is a supposed news outlet saying this. 
Now, someone on Twitter with the handle bushels per acre summed up Smith's victory last night this way. Everyone that is so impressed that the NDP gained seats is a moron. Danielle Smith is is the story here, but of course it's ignored. You have someone who didn't even hold a seat, but had a controversial talk radio show. She was essentially kicked off radio for her viewpoints. Then she ran for premier after Kenny called for a leadership review. Half of the conservatives were skeptical of her for crossing the floor, so she had to run against those odds. She had to run against Kenny's executive team. She won. She then had seven months to do anything as premier, while the entire Trudeau paid media vilified her every single day. Every union ran against her. Every university ran against her. Doctors slandered her. They tried to destroy her. They couldn't. She had to stop her campaign to focus on fires while Notley ran a slam campaign across the province. They tried to say she broke the law. They tried to make her look like a villain. It didn't work. Conservatives rallied. Rural Alberta rallied. People were vigilantly debunking the media lies. We spread the truth as much as possible. The establishment hates her. They hate us. And against all odds, she won. The story here isn't the NDP. The NDP had the election to lose, and they did. The miracle story here is the person who refused to bow to the mob, to fall in line with Trudeau and the media, to become part of the establishment. The story here is Danielle Smith. Alberta is back. We have four years to turn this place into the most prosperous place on the planet and at the same time correct as much corruption and deception as possible. Alberta needs to set the the tone for Canada and rally all the provinces to stand up for themselves. We are all Albertans. History is being made. Let's expletive go. (laughs) Well put, bushels per acre. Uh, Now we have two premiers who are willing and able to push back against the clown posse currently occupying Ottawa. That would be uh, Alberta's neighbor, Saskatchewan, and Premier Scott Moe. Great news, great news last night. Yesterday, Ali Contenantel from True North was on the program, and he was talking about York University, terribly woke York University. And the Board of Governors there exposed themselves as religious bigots, anti-Christian bigots. York uh, recently released... Uh, Their strategy called Decolonizing Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. It's a document that um, claims Christianity fuels colonialism and referred to the religion practiced by millions of Canadians as an ideology. And then the report lumped Christianity with white supremacy, capitalism, and imperialism. Shame on York University. Increasingly, we're seeing the rise of anti-Semitism on college campuses in Canada, not from neo-Nazi skinheads, but from radical left-wing professors and large portions of the student body who have been indoctrinated by radical left-wing professors. Now we're seeing anti-Christian bigotry at York University. So I believe the Board of Governors should be compelled to attend a religious sensitivity training course. I mean, the left loves to force conservatives to these types of re-education camps. Now it's their turn. But seriously, 
Christians are the most persecuted people in the world right now. Even the United Nations gets that. I don't know. Maybe York University didn't get the memo. In much of the world, if you are a Christian, you have a target on your back. It's open season. The Board of Governors at York York University need to hear this. A two-year-old child and the toddler's entire family have been sentenced to life in prison in North Korea after the parents were caught with a Bible in their possession. The parents of the young child were sentenced to death. According to the U.S. State Department, the two-year-old infant and other family members were sent to grueling prison camps. The brutal punishment comes as the far-left totalitarian North Korean regime continues to execute, torture, and imprison religious worshipers. According to a new international religious freedom report by the State Department, as many as 70,000 Christians are currently imprisoned in North Korea. The findings underscored the brutal punitive measures routinely doled out by Supreme Leader Kim Jong-un. Hear that, York University? Anyone caught with a copy of the Bible in North Korea faces the death penalty, while their families, including children, are sentenced to life in prison. In October 2021, the NGO Korea Future released a report detailing the religious freedom abuses after interviewing 244 victims. The victims ranged in age from just two years old to over 80 years old, and women and girls made up of made up over 70 percent of the documented victims. The report found that North Korean government, the North Korean government, charged individuals with engaging in religious practices, conducting religious activities in China, possessing religious items having contact with religious persons and sharing religious beliefs. As a result, people were arrested, placed in detention, forced labor, and tortured. Many were also denied a fair trial and subjected to sexual violence and public execution. One defector told Korea Future that authorities beat Christians in custody, gave them contaminated food, and arbitrarily executed them. Another said that in 2002, officials denied a Christian man food, causing him to die within three days. A prisoner who was released in 2020 told Radio Free Asia that authorities subjected Christians to the harshest treatment and that authorities once forced them to stand for 40 days straight, causing inmates to lose the ability to sit down. Christians are regarded as on the lowest rung of North Korean society and are constantly vulnerable and in danger, according to the report. Got that, York University? What you're doing, this is how it begins. The dehumanizing of a particular group and then eventually leading to state persecution. So congratulations, York University. You're following in a long and shameful line of authoritarians and tyrants. You're an excellent company. Stay away from York University. Please don't send your kids there. Uh, Drew Allen, host of the Drew Allen Show, will be here. Last order of business in hour two to talk about one of the deadliest long weekends in Chicago history. Over the Memorial Day long weekend, nine people dead, nearly 50 wounded. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? 
President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Drew will also talk about the uh, debt ceiling negotiations in the United States and what it all means. And will uh, ex-speaker Nancy Pelosi be subpoenaed by House Republicans to answer for her role on J6? David Kupelian, a managing editor of WND, will be here second hour to talk about the subject of the latest edition of Whistleblower magazine called The Elites All Out War on Free Speech. Space matters this hour. And uh, in fact, we have a new astronomer joining the show, and we've moved Space Matters from 548 to 448. Chris Vaughn is a senior astronomer and Earth scientist at astrogeo.ca. So we'll welcome him aboard. Derek Fildebrandt is publisher, president, and CEO of the Western Standard, and he'll be here to talk about Danielle Smith's miracle on the prairie. To quote the uh, the late Alberta Premier Ralph Klein, but first, David Johnston is refusing to testify before a House of Commons committee looking into his role at the Trudeau Foundation. Tom Korski from Blacklock's Reporter is next. The Richard Serrett Show off and running for Tuesday, May the thirtieth, in the year of our Lord, twenty twenty three. Facta non verba. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Welcome back. Conservatives on the House of Commons Public Accounts Committee have questions about the inner workings of the Trudeau Foundation, which is at the center of the uh, Chinese infiltration and interference in our elections. And uh, one of the board members of the Trudeau Foundation also happens to be special rapporteur looking into Chinese meddling in our elections. He's been um, asked to to testify, but he's saying, no, thanks. I'll take a pass. Tom Korski, managing editor, Blacklocks Reporter is with us. Hey, Tom, how are you? Well, thank you, Richard. Can he just simply say, I'll take a pass. Uh, I mean, what what else can they do to get this um, gentleman before the, the committee to, to testify? Uh, sadly for Mr. Johnson, it doesn't work that way. House of Commons committees operate as almost courts. I'm not making this up. There's a lot of case law on this. When you get a summons from a committee as compared to a request, which is what they've made of Johnson so far, you get a summons, that's a court order. You're showing up, my friend. And if you don't feel like showing up and the Commons Committee feels like enforcing it, you can be jailed. It has happened, albeit not for more than 100 years. Last time, 1913, 
a federal contractor declined a summons to testify before a commons committee. He was jailed for 90 days in the Carleton County Jail right here in Ottawa. David Johnson inexplicably was received an invitation from the uh, the committee to testify and what he knows about what went on on the Trudeau Foundation said no I'm not interested. So, what did the MPs do? Opposition members said you're on notice that we want to give the chair of the committee who happens to be a conservative MP John Williamson New Brunswick Southwest the power to issue a summons. That means Richard you make one more phone call and it says you show up Thursday or else, and you can fill in the blanks. Is that likely to pass the the uh, the request to issue a summons in the committee? Well, uh, government caucus members have expressed uh, they were aghast. What an extreme measure, said the member from London, uh, North Centre, uh, Peter uh, uh, Fragiscados. But th- there are enough votes to pass that. But they're saying enough is enough with Johnson. Enough of holding, you know, you make these pronouncements, you go into news conferences that are controlled, you take two questions per reporter until that gets tiresome, then you get a sweetheart interview with a CBC talent, and then you're not going to take any more questions. You're not royalty. Precisely. This is serious. Exactly. Um, MP, um, uh, Conservative MP Garnet uh, Genus said... Uh, Garnet Genus, yeah. Genus, sorry. He made a very interesting comment. He said, the, speaking of the Trudeau Foundation, it has this very odd kind of governance structure. What does he mean by that? Well, what he means is when it suits their purpose, and they have done this, they say, look, we're poor, pitiful charity. We're like the Salvation Army. We're just helping. We're just helping. Why why, why you keep giving us a hard time? Public Accounts Committee, for instance, has asked the Canada Revenue Agency whether they're under audit. But you know why they're not like the United Way or the Sally Ann in your hometown? Well, they got a $125 million federal endowment. So that's different. And then they accepted a $140,000 contribution that they identified as coming from a corporate donor, a mysterious person living on Lakeshore Drive in Dorval, Quebec. But that's not where they sent the receipt. They misrepresented that. The money came from a company in Beijing associated with state-run China Central Television. Mm -hmm. Are Are you kidding me? Uh, there's rumblings, uh, even, well, he likes to talk a big game, but then he never acts. Jagmeet Singh says it may be time for David Johnson to be replaced as special rapporteur. Uh, is that going to gain any traction, do you think? Well, they have the votes to do that in the House of Commons. But MPs have really moved beyond that. Uh, Richard, they voted two months ago for an inquiry. Now, I guess out of a sense of politeness, or to be discreet or polite to Johnson, they have given him two months to come up with something, and he came up with nothing. He was not going to give an inch. You remember his famous report last week. He's Mm -hmm. going to have some symposium or something on China, but you're not getting a public inquiry. So now the question becomes, this is really fundamental, I think. Who's going to run this now? Is it going to be Dave Johnson for the prime minister's office or is it going to be parliament? And that's not that's not a trivial question, because if it's not parliament, well, then that's it. It's over. You had mentioned that, um, you know, the the opposition can kind of shut parliament down and just refuse to cooperate if they're not going to get this inquiry yet that they that they demanded in this motion. Uh, do you think that the filibustering that's going on in the finance committee, uh, you know, subjecting Freeland to like four hours of questions, uh, even though that's another matter, is that, do you think, 
indirectly related to uh, the conservatives not getting this inquiry? Well, I think it's related to the, the increasing dysfunction of the 44th Parliament because the prime minister's office is unresponsive to House motions. That used to be a big deal in this town. When Parliament votes for a public inquiry, this is the, this is the will of the people as expressed by their representatives. And Mr. Johnson effectively said, drop dead. I say no. And the prime minister says, well, I got to go with my buddy on this one. And so MPs are becoming increasingly ornery, and they have a long way to go on this. You know who's in the hot seat? Jagmeet Singh. Mm -hmm. He wants to fire Johnson, but only he can compel, because he holds those 25 NDP votes. That's the the hinge in the minority parliament. And Singh said today, yeah, I don't want an election. He's he's not going to force the issue. And so it becomes this weird standoff. And it's it, like I say, Richard, this is not incidental. This is really, you know, you're starting to deal with really fundamental issues about investigating alleged election fraud involving foreign agents. Yeah. No, Johnson has to testify. Uh, bring him, haul him in in leg irons if need be, I say. Tom Korski, managing editor, Blacklocks reporter, support independent media, blacklocks.ca. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Richard. When we come back, Derek Fildebrandt from the Western Standard, publisher, president, CEO, no less. And we'll talk about what he's describing as Danielle Smith's miracle on the prairies. That's next. Stay with us. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serrett Show. All right. Welcome back. We are eagerly awaiting the arrival of Derek Fildebrandt, publisher, President CEO of the Western Standard, WesternStandard.news. And um, he uh, invoked the, um, the memory of the late Ralph Klein, former mayor of Calgary and uh, premier of Alberta, who called uh, his election victories a miracle on the prairies. So Phil DeBrand is calling it Danielle Smith's miracle on the prairies. Let me just crib here. The opening paragraph of his uh, piece against almost all odds, Danielle Smith and her United Conservative Party have emerged victorious from the biggest political knife fight in Alberta history. Derek Fildebrandt, welcome to the program. How are you? Oh, I'm uh, pretty good here, although you, you got to excuse me. I uh, had to come home from work uh, early. I got a sick kid from daycare. So if you hear any squawking. Uh, that's not the NDP. That's just my little song here. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry to hear that. All right. Well, um, I appreciate you coming on uh, despite the. Um... Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. 
tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for people who want to know more. And now check out Curiosity's new series, Queens of Ancient Egypt. When pharaohs held the throne, their wives held the power. We see her taking precedence over the pharaoh, an absolute mastermind. All hail the queens. This is unprecedented. Watch Queens of Ancient Egypt now on Curiosity Stream with monthly, annual, and bundled plans. Find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. That uh, situation. So let me ask you uh, about how the UCP and Daniel Smith uh, managed to pull this off. Uh, did it really just come down to uh, eking out a victory in Calgary? According to what the numbers I've seen, she won basically by like 2,600 votes. Is that right? Well, it depends how you're putting it. Uh, you know, one uh, one number cruncher put it that, you know, if you take a look at all those super close kind of coin toss races and you apply those, you know, those margins, you could put it that way. And, you know, there's been federal races like that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the bulk of those tended to be in Calgary, but they were, uh, there were a few elsewhere as well. There's, uh, you know, some of your listeners might probably heard of a place called Banff. It's uh, oh, yes. beautiful. It, you know, it's a um, beautiful area. They're just west of me. I'm on the West end of Calgary here. It's out there. It's, uh, you know, the the way Alberta is kind of set up politically, generally anything outside the big cities is conservative territory. Uh, the one exception to that is the Banff Kananaskis constituency because it's got kind of those touristy, hippy-dippy towns. Uh, and the NDP uh, had to win that one. They, they did win that. But then there's also kind of the circle around Edmonton. We call it the donut, these outlying communities. And uh, the NDP, to have any chance of winning, had to take that whole kind of donut area surrounding Edmonton, and they got almost entirely shut out of that. So it became obvious fairly quickly uh, throughout the evening that they just didn't really have a path to get there. So uh, you point out some challenges facing the UCP uh, going into this election, but also going forward, Um, and because it, it it was not the the big conservative majority that we're used to in Alberta and going forward, just sort of demographically speaking, it's going to be increasingly challenging for the UCP. Tell, talk to me about that. Yeah. So, you know, in Alberta, similar to other provinces in general, you know, uh, visible minority communities and first generation immigrants, they tend to skew towards more left leaning parties. Now, there's been exceptions to that in Alberta and nationally, you know, 20 uh, when Harper won his majority in 2011 federally, uh, you know, uh, I think you know roughly half of visible minority communities voted conservative. So there's been exceptions to that. Uh, similar also in Alberta in the 2019 when Jason Kenney won. But in general, the you know, first generation communities tend to skew to Lloyd's left leaning parties for one reason or another. And Alberta attracts such a large number of international migrants. And so, and and, and the polls have shown that those communities have leaned very heavily towards the NDP. So, you know, and and that hurt them, especially in the the, uh, immigration-heavy communities like in Northeast Calgary. Uh, So the Conservatives are going to have to find a way to attract visible minority and new Canadian communities back in. But also... um, you know, issue you don't really you wouldn't really think about too much in Ontario where you guys are. 
is um, uh, inter-Canadian migration, or what we sometimes call it here, Eastern migration. Uh, guys, like myself, once upon a time, I was a refugee from Ontario. I said, to hell with it. Uh, uh, screw this. I'm going west. I was done with ta- high taxes. I wanted to uh, start my own business one day. Uh, all sorts of stuff. I wanted more school choice. I went west. And a lot of young guys, young ladies going west, go to Alberta for the kind of that individualist prairie ethos. Um but, you know, anecdotally, I think it's fair to say a lot of people are going to bring their political and social values with them. And, and Alberta attracts such a large number of um, people born in Canada, but bringing them to Alberta. In fact, uh, Danielle Smith and the UCP uh, brought in these kind of uh, Alberta bonuses. If you're uh, I shouldn't be telling your listeners this, but if you move to Alberta, the government's going to give you a thousand bucks just for showing up. It's crazy. And uh, but people are bringing kind of Eastern political values to the West. Yeah, in other words, the wokesters. And I apologize on behalf of all of Ontario for that. (laughs) I'm a former Eastern bastard myself. So what am I going to do? Listen, I got to take a quick time out. Um, Derek Fildebrand stays with us. Publisher, president, CEO of Western Standard. Support independent media, westernstandard.news. Back with more of our conversation in two minutes. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. And we are back with Derek Fildebrandt, publisher, president, CEO of Western Standard News Media Corp. And uh, we're talking about uh, Danielle Smith's miracle on the prairies and the UCP's victory last night over the uh, socialist slash communist NDP uh, led by Rachel Notley, who... Uh, it's a good thing she um, didn't get her claws on the levers of power because she won't talk to the Western Standard or just about any other independent news media uh, organization. Um, and that's that's the other thing uh, that makes uh, Danielle Smith's victory so uh, stunning is that she wasn't just running against the NDP. She was also running against the uh, the lamestream media in this country. There was one CTV re- uh, reporter, a female reporter, who said the quiet part out loud on the air when she said, we are not seeing the NDP make the gains we were hoping. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Uh, your thoughts on that, Derek? Well, you, you know, I get it. It might surprise some of your listeners to learn, you know, because there's this impression of Alberta is, you know, we're all conservatives and you know, we're, we're walking around with Stetson strapped with Colt 45 pistols and that we've probably got a lot of conservative media out here. Well, no. Um, I mean, Alberta's always had lefty media and some conservative media, but kind of over the last eight years, there is no more conservative media. In fact, um, all four major daily newspapers in Alberta, the Calgary Herald, the Edmonton Journal, Calgary Sun, Edmonton Sun, they're all run out of Toronto by Post Media, which is owned out of uh, New Jersey by the Chatham Wealth Management Group there. And, uh, but also in our CTV, uh, Global, and of course, CBC, obviously, uh, they're all kind of Toronto based as well. Our media is now uniformly uh, leftist, uniformly. There was no mainstream media that was even kind of vaguely sympathetic towards Daniel Smith and the UCP in this election. They were openly hostile. And so, for example, so I, I know you kind of, you know, a little half-jokingly talked about Rachel Motley's socialist economy. Well, they're, they're openly socialist. But in fact, you know, uh, 
you know, th- there'd be some controversies found about UCP candidates, but my reporters at the Western Standard, we unearthed four, count them, four NDP candidates who uh, had openly expressed support for communism, or in one case, had marched leading a Communist Party of Canada parade. And uh, four candidates supporting an openly totalitarian, murderous ideology. And you know how much pickup that got in the mainstream media? Zero. It didn't get a footnote. It didn't get a single sentence at the bottom buried in another article. Nothing at all. And so anytime one of uh, the UCP candidates so much as farted in a public bathroom stall, it was front page news. But uh, but uh, you could have four NDP candidates openly and unabashedly, without any apology, supporting literal communism. And it just wasn't a story. So, you know, Smith uh, and the UCP, uh, they definitely had their errors and they deserved to be taken to task for it. But it was a wildly uneven playing field with, um, you know, they don't even have the equivalent of, say, your show in Alberta. And funny enough, the last conservative on talk radio on mainstream media in Alberta was Danielle Smith before she yeah. yeah. quit to go yeah. and try, go into politics. Uh, yeah, you were mentioning the communists in the NDP, and we, uh, you know, there's also Rachel Rachel Notley uh, wearing a Che Guevara watch. In the in the provincial legislature, I mean, a mass murderer yeah. is wearing a, a watch uh, in homage to uh, her hero, I guess, her fellow traveler, Che Guevara. I, I don't think she wears the watch anymore. But, you know, uh, the kids wear the shirt because it's a, it's a cool thing. But I have a feeling that someone as intelligent and as educated as uh, as Rachel Notley is probably aware of, you know, some of his shooty record. Mm hmm. Uh, what is this? What's what's this mean? This victory for the UCP and Danielle Smith mean uh, in the bigger picture for Canada? Well, you can, there's a couple lessons you could draw out of it. Some of which are contradictory, but you, you know, you, you can choose your own adventure here. One is, you know, Smith uh, tried the, the, the NDP tried to portray her as crazy, extremist, fringe. And so the, the UCP campaign was largely kind of a counterattack, trying to make the case that she was reasonable and rational. And the, and the UCP ran a, a relatively bland campaign uh, that in the end won. But at the same time, um, you know, Smith did not put in the front window some of her more controversial policies, but definitely didn't back away from them as well. And that's that's policies like the Alberta Sovereignty Act, which mm. I think some of your listeners out there probably heard of, which is oh, yes. a bill that more or less tries to push back on the enforcement of federal uh, federal authority in areas of Alberta's own exclusive provincial jurisdiction. Uh, doing something crazy, crazy separatist stuff like uh, the provinces like, I don't know, Ontario have done, which is have our own police force. Um <laughs> uh, you know, in Alberta, the left insists and the media insists that having our own police force means that we're separating, uh, I guess, right alongside the independent Republic of Ontario. <laughs> um, and, of course, doing what Quebec has done, uh, which is pulling out of the Canada pension plan, replacing it with an Alberta pension plan. It's very complicated. But in, in general, the math makes good sense because Alberta, I was talking about all these young people moving here. You know, we're not B.C. where you move here to retire. Actually, if you're in Alberta and you retire, you, you move to B.C. Mm-hmm. You to Alberta, you move here to work. And so we've got a very young, a demographically young province 
we have we tend to have a higher birth rate. So our demographics make much more sense when you do the nerdy actuarials and numbers for pensions. So Alberta, Alberta can have probably better uh, uh, public pension benefits with lower premiums if we split out of the CPP. Now, some of that stuff uh, was not put front and center in the campaign, but stuff Smith has been very openly for. She's on the record for. The NDP was talking about. So, uh, and, th- and then, of course, he saw in her victory speech uh, last night talking about very strongly resisting federal attempts to cap uh, emissions, but in a, in, a, in a very draconian way, which is uh, really a de facto cap on production and therefore our economy here. So, uh, you know, uh, Jason Kenney, uh, you guys remember, he, he'd kind of rattle some cages, but one of the reasons he lost leadership at the UCP in addition to COVID lockdowns and mandates was he was pretty widely perceived by conservatives in Alberta to be weak on Ottawa, that he would just talk about these things but not do it. Um, we're, it the proof will be in the pudding. We're going to have to wait and see how Danielle Smith acts. But uh, I would expect uh, that the relationship between the federal government and Alberta is about to get a whole lot more rowdy. And I'm enjoying, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to enjoy that battle. Uh, Derek Fildebrand is publisher, president, CEO of Western Standard, westernstandard.news, westernstandard.news, support independent media. Derek, uh, great to have you on the show. Thank you. I hope we'll speak again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. When we come back, space matters. Don't go away. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Ignition sequence start. Engines on. Five, four, three, one. We have lift up. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. All right. Welcome to another edition of Space Matters, and we have a brand new contributor. Chris Vaughn is a presenter, certified presenter and trainer with Digital Star Lab. He's also senior astronomer and earth scientist at astrogeo.ca. He does the monthly astro calendar at space.com. He writes a weekly astronomy or a weekly blog, uh, Astronomy Skylights. We'll tell you about that. And also, he's co author of 110 Things to See with a Telescope. Chris Vaughn, welcome to the Richard Serrett Show. How are you? Hello, Richard. I'm fine. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Thank you. And it's great to have you aboard. Um, you know, it's amazing uh, what you can see in the night sky with just a pair of binoculars. Right. You don't have to invest necessarily in an expensive telescope. Can you kind of give us a, um, a few tips on what we can what we can see in the night sky with just a pair of binoculars? Sure. Or even just with your plain old eyes, go ahead, go outside and look up on a clear night. So um, first one, I'll, first thing I'll mention is that if you haven't already noticed that brilliant beacon in the western sky after sunset every night, mm-hmm. that's Venus. Venus, mm-hmm. the planet Venus has been gleaming up there for months. It's actually uh, this week reached the end of its uh, trip away from the sun, and it's going to start sinking back sunward over the next few weeks and, and month or so. And uh, now you might be able to tell in binoculars that it's actually not a round disc these days. It's actually a half moon shape. So oh. your binoculars might pick that up, but certainly a little backyard telescope would show you that. Interesting. All right. 
What else now, do you do with a pair of yeah, binoculars? Yeah, if, you, if you've got the binoculars handy and you're trying to, trying to check out Venus, just scan a little bit to the upper left of Venus in the sky, mm-hmm. and you're going to see a very faint, modest, una, you know, un, unassuming reddish dot, and that's Mars. They've been hanging out together for a while, too. Um, over the next couple of weeks, they're going to get a little bit closer to the point where they can, you can fit them both in your binoculars at the same time. But, uh, yeah, you have to wait till the sky gets a bit darker before you'll see Mars pop out. And oh, then, very cool. Yeah, and then while you're at it, you know, swing your binoculars a little bit to the upper right of Venus, and you'll see two stars. You don't even need binoculars to see those two stars. Those are the, the fraternal twin stars, Castor and Pollux in Gemini. And what's funny about those is they're not twin stars at all. They don't look the same at all. One's mm-hmm. a little bit brighter than the other one. One's a little bit more yellower than the other one. Well, we call them twins anyway. So they're there's, fraternal there's some, twins. They're fraternal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and right. of course, yeah, of course, the other thing that's um, dominating the sky tonight and over the next uh, few nights is going to be the moon. Mm-hmm. The moon is uh, super bright. It's um, what we call waxing gibbous. So it's more than half illuminated. And if you put your binoculars on the moon, you're going to see a couple of different things. You're going to see the, the lighter and the darker areas. So the darker areas are dark basaltic rock that's filled in or leaked into some big hollow basins that were carved out years ago, mm-hmm. years ago. And uh, there's one in the upper left quadrant of the moon that's really noticeably apparent. That's the Mare Imbrium. So see if you can check that one out with your binoculars. And the other thing you might notice is that there are some white streaks or sort of fingers across some of those dark, dark discs, dark ring, dark um, ovals. Mm-hmm. And those are the ejecta from some of the younger craters that have kind of been spread across the surface of the moon. So, so you'll do that. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And uh, one more thing. Yeah, yeah. One more thing I want to mention tonight, and you don't need binoculars, but you can go ahead and give it a go if you want to, is the International Space Station's flying overhead of the, of the GTA this week. Oh, a couple, a couple more nights of it, and then it's going to go kind of dormant for a couple of weeks. Um, we get to the point where if it's crossing overhead or after sunset, we can see it, but it, but it always crosses, you know, if it's crossing during the daytime or in the middle of the night, it's not catching any sun's rays, so we can't see it during those times. But we got a really good one tonight. So the one tonight, if, you're, if you get a, want to set your, uh, you know, your alarm on your phone or something and get ready to head outside. So around 9.24 p.m., so from 9.24 to 9.30, so Space Station takes five or six minutes to cross the sky. It's not as quite as bright as Venus, but it's pretty much it's pretty up there. It's really, really noticeable. And it'll be heading from the west northwest to the southeast and it'll get pretty high in the sky. So it'd be kind of hard to miss it if you're out around that time. So, so around 924 p.m. tonight. Tonight till 930. So it'll so yeah, if you're out there between the middle of that span, you know, 926, 927, that'll be when it's highest and easiest to see. Oh, fantastic. All right. I'm going to make a point of seeing that now. Uh, tell us about you've got a YouTube uh, channel. Tell us about the uh, the weekly astronomy uh, skylights blog and how we can uh, find that. Yeah. So about for about 10 years now, I've been writing, uh, sitting down every Sunday afternoon and writing what's going on in the sky this week. And I talk about when the meteor showers are, if there's a fresh comet that's discovered, you know, when you can see the spot on Jupiter, things like that. Which are the what are the bright stars? That's at astrogeo.ca slash skylights mm-hmm. and you can just pop into the website and read up on it see all the pretty pictures and sky charts there or you can even subscribe by mailchimp and it'll pop into your inbox every sunday afternoon slash evening and you can read up on what's happening astrogeo.ca slash skylights that's it all right and the youtube 
So when the when the pandemic started, I thought all these uh, kids and families are locked down at home. What can we do to entertain them and educate them in the afternoon? So uh, we set about creating a, a show that runs at three uh, thirty p.m. Eastern time uh, every other Tuesday afternoon. And we've gone three years now. We're, we do go a little bit quieter during the summer, so we've got another one coming up in about a week and a half, and then we're going to do just sporadically over the summer. It's called Insider's Guide to the Galaxy. And it's actually sponsored and co-presented by the Royal Astronomical Society of Canada. So if you go to their RASC Canada, R-A-S-C-A-N-A-D-A, YouTube channel, you'll see all kinds of them. There's more than 60 of the shows archived, all different topics. It doesn't have to be just what's current this week. If you want to know about globular clusters or the constellation of Leo, it's all there. Enjoy. Insider's Guide to the Galaxy. That's it. Chris, great fun. Thank you so much. Well, keep looking at everybody, and thanks uh, thanks for the clear skies this week. It's been great to see those uh, sunny days and clear starry nights. All right, and don't forget to see uh, to look up at about 9.25 tonight. Uh, yes. The, yeah, the, the space station. All right, Chris. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for people who want to know more. And now check out Curiosity's new series, The Real Wild West. Rolling Stone magazine says it's the history of the West they usually don't teach you. The mythology of the West left out a lot of the people. People said they'd never seen a black cowboy. This is the history book, but did you know about these other facts? Watch The Real Wild West now on Curiosity Stream. With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. Hopefully we'll talk again next week. Thank you. All right, hour 208, David Capellian, award-winning American journalist, vice president, managing editor of WND, and also publisher of Whistleblower Magazine, or editor of Whistleblower Magazine, is coming up next. We'll talk about uh, this month's edition, The Elite's All-Out War on Free Speech. That's coming up next on The Richard Sarrett Show. Stay with us. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window. Open it, stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. We're not 
Richard Sarah Show. If you missed hour one, you missed a lot, but uh, don't beat yourself up. There's still lots of great programming coming your way this hour, including Drew Allen, conservative political commentator, author, host of the Drew Allen Show, will be here. And uh, towards the tail end of the program, we'll talk about uh, Chicago uh, experiencing one of the bloodiest, most violent Memorial Day weekends in history. Nine killed. Uh, upwards of 50 people wounded over the Memorial Day long weekend. And Drew will also weigh in on the uh, the U.S. debt ceiling deal. What's it all about? And uh, we'll also, time permitting, get into House Republicans wanting to subpoena former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and grill her about her role in J6. Turnabout is fair play. I would say I would relish (laughs) seeing uh, Nancy Pelosi being uh, grilled by the likes of Jim Jordan on her role or lack of a role uh, on J6. But of course, if um, you say that in certain quarters, you're a um, you're a conspiracy theorist. You're a denier. You're engaging in misinformation, hate speech, fake news. These are all uh, terms now being thrown at uh, anyone who diverges from the official Democrat narrative. And the question has to be asked, how, how does this happen in a land like the United States that has always been a bastion of free speech, a bastion of a free press? It is now, uh, as David Kupelian writes, the U.S., Ground zero for a total war on free expression. This is the subject of this month's Whistleblower magazine. The elite's all-out war on free speech. David Kapalian is an award-winning American journalist, vice president, managing editor of WND, and editor of Whistleblower magazine. David, welcome back to the program. How are you? Uh, I'm good, Richard. Good to be back with you. Good to have you here. All right. So let's just begin there. How does this happen in the land of the free where free speech, as you point out, undergirded by such a a strong, you know, constitutional protection, supposedly, but it's all quickly vanishing before our eyes. How does it happen? Uh, Richard, it's happened over a long period of time. We haven't really noticed it front and center because we have a constitution and we have strong um national traditions and the culture of free speech. Um, I have an article up on WND today at the top of the page that starts off by talking about how the ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union, kind of a lefty group, uh, in 1978 defended um, a a group of neo-Nazis 
I'm talking about neo-Nazis with swastika armbands and who think Hitler was a great guy. We, not conservatives that they like to call Nazis, real Nazis. Right. Uh, and they wanted to uh, they wanted to march through Skokie, Illinois, which is a you know a, a suburb of Chicago where supposedly a lot of Holocaust survivors live. So that's awful, right? Right. But this is America, and they were going to peacefully expressed their views, and the ACLU defended them. That was 45 years ago. Today in America, if you are a regular, normal, you know, middle-class, hardworking, law-abiding American who goes to a school board meeting and says, excuse me, but could you stop, like, brainwashing my kids and sexualizing them? Now you're a Nazi, okay? So this... There's there's been a total inversion of reality uh, in uh, in here and up up there where you are, too. It's not not much different up in Canada, right. mm-hmm. but down here in the in the lower 48, um, th- there's been quite an inversion. As I say, I start off saying it's going on for a long time. The the left, we use these terms, you know, these, oh, the left, the right. It's almost like they're morally equal, right? Okay. <laughs> There's the left, you can turn left, you can turn right. Mm-hmm. You're, you're dealing, if you take it out of the whole political, ideological uh, framework, you know, you're talking about good and evil. Okay. That's what this life is all about. It's about good and evil. And there have been very, um, uh, some who are just really sociopathic types and some who are just like weak and drawn in by it. This is all mixed in there together. Okay. Uh, the useful idiots, but you've had a, um, over the last you know, 50, 60 years, uh, you've had a, basically a Marxist takeover of much of America. And, and Richard, can I just say people love to think, well, Marxism, you know, Communism, that's where the government owns the means to production. And this is all BS, okay? We're talking about a very dark philosophy by very dark-hearted people who the people like Mao Zedong and Stalin killed millions of people, way more people than Hitler ever killed, okay? Uh, so they this, oh, it's, this is for ending class warfare and people are all equal and all this that's just a bunch of, of, of crap for the masses, okay? The reality is these are psychopath-type people who, who love to, um, to be in control over millions of people. Richard, can I ask you a question? Do, yeah. you have, do you have dreams of, like, controlling millions of people and controlling what millions of people think and, and say and do? No, I just want to be left alone, like most people with common sense. Right. There you go. Okay, and that's uh, virtually everybody listening to you right now is the same way. Say, what? What is that all about? You know, of course, I just want to be able, to, you know, raise my family and try to live a happy life and stay out of trouble and appreciate God and and do good things and so forth. There's a whole I don't know what you want class of people. That are we use these psychological criminal terms, sociopathic, psychopathic. Really, it comes down to our evil. They're at war with God. They're at war with their own conscience, and they desire to have control over people. You ask me a question, you might think I'm far afield. 
that's really the bottom line of like why we have the attack on the First Amendment of on free speech. Uh, why what the ACLU did 45 years ago is like the farthest thing that could possibly happen today, because we've been t- the, the elites that run the Western world and the rest of the world, for that matter. OK, are uh, we we've got a very bad class of people that are running the show right now. They're globalists. They're uh, they're, they're they're basically addicted to power and wealth and everything else they say is a pretense. Uh, you're you're absolutely right. In fact, there is a I mentioned this yesterday on the show, David, there's a groundbreaking study featured in the peer reviewed journal Current Psychology that has uncovered a link between left wing extremism, uh, psychopathic tendencies and narcissism. Um, I'll send you that link. And um, I, oh, I saw it. Be aware of it. Yeah, I, 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 I saw that. And there have been actually other studies like that. And you have people like. Lyle Rossiter, who's a forensic psychiatrist, uh, who I I know a little bit, um, and he wrote a book called The Liberal Mind, saying the same thing. Uh, You have, what's his name, M. Scott Peck, who wrote People of the Lie. You've had good people over over the decades who have been on to this to say, yeah, let's leave the political, ideological Democrats, Republicans, liberals, conservatives, let's leave that behind. And let's talk about, you know, what what kind of people are these really? And that you can come, you can use, you know, heavy duty psychological language like psychopath, sociopathic, narcissistic personality disorder. A lot of people said Barack Obama was a clinical narcissist. That's not just a word you throw around. That's you look it up in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. It has a list of symptoms that are really bad. OK, and you said, yeah, that's Barack Obama. That's very much what he was. So you can argue these people are, you know, mentally ill uh, but the problem then is that becomes a cover for things that really have to do with good and evil. And it's not so much, oh, they've got a neurotransmitter imbalance in their brain. They need to take some medication <laughs> and stuff like that. That's not real either. OK, ultimately, I don't mean to sound too religious about it, but these things do come down to good and evil. I agree. And, spiritual warfare. This is what yeah. we're up against. Spiritual warfare. Uh, and the problem is we have this radical uh, group. They're winning because they lie awake at night thinking about how do we get power? How do we hold on to power for the sake of power? While the rest of us hardworking uh, fools, we just we, we just want to go about, you know, putting in a hard day's work, as you say, to support our families. That's why we are now um, behind the eight ball here. David Kupelian is with us. He is the vice president, managing editor of WND and also editor of Whistleblower Magazine. Back with more of our conversation in two minutes. Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right. Welcome back. David Kupelian stays with us. And uh, we're talking about the uh, the subject of the latest edition of Whistleblower magazine. The elites all out war on free speech. How do we subscribe to Whistleblower, David? Uh, Richard, uh, your listeners can just go to Whistleblower magazine dot com, Whistleblower magazine dot com. And uh, they the, the magazine has 
big picture of Tucker Carlson on the cover and says the left's all out war on free speech. And there are a lot of options. There is a there's a digital version. There's a print version. Uh, they can buy a single copy. They can subscribe. There's a lot of different options. So just go to that page. They can read all about it. Uh, so let's talk about Tucker Carlson and his firing from Fox News, his last show on Friday, April 21st. How does that firing play into what we're talking about, this um, this attack on free speech on the part of the elites? Well, Tucker was unique in uh, and I I have, you know, I have a number of friends at, at Fox News. I've known Hannity for decades and uh and 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 i know tucker a little bit he interviewed me once uh and and laura and stuff they're they're good people tucker is kind of unique in that he is and hannity is like for mostly politics tucker goes into the cultural and spiritual even realities of what's going on in the country and that is just um, that is forbidden territory. <laughs> you cannot talk about what's really going on with the transgender movement, what was going on during COVID, um, the, 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 you know, everything, as I was saying in the earlier segment, if you really chase it down, has the kind of a spiritual core to it. If you just if you if you track it all the way down, it says, yeah, this has to do with good and evil. And Tucker, uh, I say was, he's still very much uh, alive and fine and uh, working on his new show that he's going to. I don't have any inside information, but it will be coming up sometime soon. He's got a legal fight going on with with um, with Fox because he's still under contract with Fox. Right. A non-compete clause. Yeah. 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 So he's but he's fighting that in court. Um, So because they want to they want to talk about shutting somebody up. They want to shut him up according to the contract. So after the 2024 election, Hmm. that doesn't sound like conspiratorial or, 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 you know, it's like that makes you think, Oh, wow. All this talk about the evil elites wanting to shut up truth. Maybe that's actually true. Even with the higher ups, the powers that be the the Murdoch family, basically at, at Fox news channel. Um, so he, he did talk about a lot of things Oh, well, he openly said that the 2020 election was rigged. You're not allowed to say that. Right. Okay. And as I point out in my article about this, um, totally putting aside all of the they, they use the euphemism election irregularities, okay? Like when they suspend the Constitution and change the state laws and make them unconstitutional, the very last minute, that's an irregularity. Or when you see on video somebody running the same vote through the counting machine again and again and again and again, the same vote because of the Biden vote, that's an irregularity. And you have this mountain of things like that. But putting all that aside, just what came out, when Elon Musk released the Twitter files to Matt Taibbi and um, all, all these other independent reporters, and we found out without you know any equivocation, the deep state, you know, the FBI, the DOJ, the CIA, all that, and big tech colluded. That's the word we got it from. You know, remember Russian collusion that that wasn't mm-hmm. they colluded 
they're together to basically suppress bad information about Biden right before the election. There are objective polls out that show that had voters been allowed to find out what was actually known about Hunter Biden and, and Joe Biden's collusion in it before the election, Donald Trump would be president of the United States today. Okay, the Media Research Center did that poll, others. So that's totally aside from, you know, dead people voting and people voting twice. Just the fact that you can have a totally technically fair election process. People, only living people, citizens can vote. You only vote one time on Election Day. Proper signature verification. If you're lying, yeah, even that. But if you're lied to about the candidates and one candidate is portrayed as Hitler and the other one who is a demented old crook is portrayed as somebody great, you're still going to have a rigged election. Okay, so we had all of the above. But Tucker Carlson talked about it. He said, yeah, obviously this was this was rigged. Um, So those things are not allowed uh, by the rules of the road today with the the ruling elites and their propaganda ministry known as the mainstream media. So um, they that's why I said they make up all these words. You're a you're an election denier. I say they're an election fraud denier, but you're an election denier. You're a climate change denier. You're a science denier. All these basically meaningless terms that they throw out that you know, or say hate speech, fake news, misinformation, disinformation, and even a new one we never heard before, malinformation. I don't even know what the hell that is. Okay. <laughs> but they have all these words that they they that because they want to intimidate you and suppress you. Dennis Prager was right when he said the most powerful force in America today is fear of the left. And that's basically what they've got going. Fear and intimidation. Right. Fortunately, yeah, some of us still are haven't gotten the message and we're still talking. So yeah, they want to criminalize uh, an opposing an opposing point of view. David Capellian is uh, with us, vice president, managing editor of WND, WND.com. Please support independent media, as we always say, WND.com, also editor of Whistleblower magazine. We'll take a time out and um, come back and talk a little bit more with David about the attack, the elites all out war on free speech. <clears throat> Stay with us. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. And a few minutes remain with David Kupelian, Vice President, Managing Editor, WND, and Editor of Whistleblower Magazine, whistleblowermagazine.com. If you want to support independent media and if you want to support WND, this is a great way is to subscribe to this fabulous magazine, whistleblowermagazine.com. Um the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI have been turned basically into Joe Biden's secret police. And now, uh, I mean, they're targeting political opponents but and just plain Trump supporters. Uh, but they're, uh, you know, under the guise of uh, an anti-terrorism task force. Tell me what the what the Department of Homeland Security is doing with this this anti-terror program. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. 
call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for people who want to know more. And now check out Curiosity's new series, Queens of Ancient Egypt. When pharaohs held the throne, their wives held the power. We see her taking precedence over the pharaoh, an absolute mastermind. All hail the queens. This is unprecedented. Watch Queens of Ancient Egypt now on Curiosity Stream. With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. Well, this is just the, you know, the weaponization of the machinery of government like we see in places like Zimbabwe and other wonderful uh, parts of the world. Uh, the, the, the irony is the Department of Homeland Security is a recent Department of Government. It was created after the 9-11 attacks uh, to, uh, to, to help you know, protect the homeland from terrorists. And now we have this redefinition of terrorists, where uh, if you are, as I mentioned before, a parent going to a school board meeting, or you're somebody who is demonstrating in Washington, D.C. on on January 6th. Uh, By the way, I I grew up in Washington, D.C., was down there all the time. It's actually legal to stand outside the Capitol and to even to hold up a sign and saying, I don't like Joe Blow or whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is, um, the, it, it, this is, this is free speech. We talked about it earlier in the interview. Um, so to arrest a thousand people as they have arrested already, approximately over January 6th and to threaten to arrest another thousand, this is years later, they're getting around to arresting another thousand people. This is pure, you know, brutal third world tactics of intimidation. Um, it's just it's it's, you know, it's uh, it's 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 notching up. It's not enough just to silence people and to overlay their Facebook posting with something saying this is fake news. Our fact checkers have said this isn't true. This is going more hardcore where you're actually wrecking people's lives and arresting them, showing up in pre-dawn raids and so forth. And I, I'm, you know, embarrassed to say that's going on in my country. I, I told you before, I, I, I've been a journalist for 40 years. Ronald Reagan was president when I started. It was morning in America. That was his slogan. Um, and now it's kind of nighttime right now because they they have they've literally it's completely illegal, unconstitutional, immoral, whatever you want to call it. But that they're doing it. They're getting away with weaponizing the the, the federal law enforcement apparatus against their political enemies, just like they do in the, the worst places on Earth. And again, if you're if you're a Christian, if uh, if you have a if you own a Betsy Ross flag. Uh, maybe you're a bit of a gold bug and you like to buy gold or you put a little bit of foods uh, away on the side. You know, you could find yourself on their anti-terror watch list. I mean, that's not an exaggeration, correct? 
it's not an exaggeration. Every once in a while, these people come out and speak publicly and plainly by accident about how they really feel about the rest of us. Hillary Clinton did it before the 2016 uh, election when she called, you know, basically half of America deplorable and irredeemable, basically everybody who opposed her. And then last summer, Joe Biden, in that speech in front of um, um, he did a Philadelphia, I think, July 4th speech with red lights blaring, and uh, he called uh, he said half of Republicans are, quote, semi-fascists. OK, semi-fascism was the word. So th- these are like the worst names we have to call people, you know, Nazis and fascists and so forth. And that's what they're calling, again, the great American center-right middle class, the, the backbone of America, the engine, the economic engine, the the, the moral backbone, the people that are like, getting married and having children and raising their kids and doing all the living and working and dying in this country. Those are the people that are now the enemy. Uh, And that's the only explanation there is for, uh, you know, you mentioned DHS, the Department of Homeland Security actually had, we, we had it on WND a while back. It was a graphic where they identified the, the worst, um, terror threats in America. Now, recently, Biden said it's like white supremacists. But at the time, it was people that were finding fault with the COVID narrative of the federal government. In other words, if you said, wait a minute, this unproven vaccine, which is actually killing a lot of people and maiming a lot more, maybe we should not be forcing everybody to take it, including like pregnant women and so forth. Okay. And if you did that, you were number one. I'm not exaggerating. This is, I, it, this was a, an actual graphic that the DHS uh, put out. The number one terror threat to America is not Al Qaeda, not, you know, MS 13. It's regular Americans who have a problem with the insane COVID narrative that was coming being handed down by our leaders. So it's, that's what's happened chilling. to the Department of Homeland Security. Very chilling. All right. Uh, whistleblowermagazine.com. Please subscribe. And uh, this is a great way to support the fine work at WND, a free press for a free people since 1997. One of the, uh, the pioneers in uh, independent online news coverage. David Capellian, Vice President, Managing Editor of WND. Thank you, David, as always. Thank you, Richard. All right. When we come back. Drew Allen will be here. We'll talk about the uh, the horrific long weekend, brutal violence, nine dead, nearly 50 wounded in Chicago. And we'll also uh, talk about that U.S. debt ceiling uh, deal um, and who won and what does it all mean? Back with more of the Richard Serrett Show right after these. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 a.m. All right, welcome back. I have an update. That uh, bloody long weekend in Chicago, now up to 11 dead, 53 people shot during the Memorial Day weekend across the city. 53 shot, 11 dead. Uh, Shooting victims range in age from 2 to 77 years old. Every part of the city was affected. 
every part of the city. Three people were shot while standing on the sidewalk in the 9100 block of South Harper Avenue when someone drove up and fired it around 1.45 a.m. 59-year-old man, 57-year-old woman, a 77-year-old man were all hit, transported to local hospitals. Over the weekend, 35-year-old William Hare's family spoke to ABC7 about what happened to their loved one. He was there with his best friend. They pulled up, didn't have a chance to do anything. His best friend, thank God, was with him and valiantly tried to save his life, perform CPR, help him breathe. He said, my son fought for his life, but he was gone. 11 dead, 53 shot. What's going on? Well, this is what happens, right? You thought Mayor Lori Lightfoot was a complete disaster. So what do the electorate do? They go even further left. Way to go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Brandon Johnson, the new mayor. Also anti-police. Drew Allen is a political commentator, author, and host of The Drew Allen Show, drewallen.substack.com. He joins us now. Hey, Drew, how are you? Hey, good, Richard. Good to be with you. Uh, it's just complete mayhem. I mean, we thought things were bad under Lori Lightfoot. Uh, getting worse. 11 dead in one weekend. It's a war zone in Chicago. It's a war zone. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it really is shocking just to address the first point. I mean, Lori Lightfoot was, you know, the worst mayor perhaps in, in Chicago's history. You know, you saw the same thing in Los Angeles. They like the Karen Bass. Um, it's just, it's remarkable that, the, the citizens in these cities that are, I mean, and I really do have, have absolute sympathy for them. I mean, it, that is a war zone in Chicago. When you have the, the type of death that's just rampant and expected in, uh, in, in the inner cities there. And, you know, I mean, these are, these are children. Uh, they're Americans. Uh, but, you know, they're black. And the Democratic Party, which claims to be the party of black people, says nothing, does nothing about it. In fact, they exacerbate it and put people at greater risk. And, uh, you know, I mean, that, you're right. Now you've got a, a, a pure Marxist in there and things are going to continue to get worse. And I just I don't know what people are thinking. I mean, it's this this it, it's the true cult like mentality is on the left. I mean, when you have politicians who are directly overseeing uh, the destruction of a city and putting you in harm's way and you continue to vote for these people, I don't know what I can do to help those individuals anymore. I mean, how, how bad does it have to get for you? to wake up and realize that this party and this machine that has been running this place for decades uh, upon decades, really, uh, th- that they're not, they're not benefiting you in any way. And it's a tragedy. And, and I think it's, I think it's interesting because Richard, we just had the uh, NAACP issue a travel advisory for Florida, for Florida. Right. Where's the NAACP travel advisory for Chicago? That's where the travel advisory should be. I mean, you've got, you know, unfortunately, black children and adults in the inner cities being just shot, mowed down by gangs. That's the travel advisory warning. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the, the common denominator here was all, with all of these um, Democrat mayors, while well, they're Marxist mayors, and they, when they, whenever they talk about crime, uh, they said, well, it's very complicated. We need to take a holistic approach to public safety, which means defund the police, more money for so-called community programs. Uh, it's not that complicated. I mean, they need to send in federal agents. They need to make it a, a you know, federal crime uh, to to uh, to discharge, a, a, a um, you know, a weapon in, in the, uh, you know, during a crime, you know, max um, um, maximum like 
sentences um, uh, for these offenders. And uh, I mean, we just you just need to get tough. You, you need to send in federal agents at this point. I don't know what the delay is. I know uh, uh, Trump talked about it and uh, it never really happened, but it should. Uh, Drew Allen stays with us. We'll come back and uh, we'll also talk about the uh, the U.S. debt ceiling deal. What's going on with that? Why does it matter? Drew Allen dot substack dot com. Back with more in a moment. Let's rejoin the conversation on the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Conservative author, columnist, and host of the Drew Allen Show podcast stays with us. DrewAllen.substack.com. Uh, Drew, so can you break it down what this uh, U.S. debt ceiling uh, deal is all about? Um if if the uh, debt ceiling isn't raised, then the U.S. government will run out of money. They would default on their their debts, uh, I guess, would would have, we're told, cataclysmic uh, consequences. Um, so what what are they what are they, what have they agreed to? Kevin McCarthy, U.S. Speaker of the House and Joe Biden. Well, I mean, I, I think they they agreed to, you know, take away, uh, you know, a very small percentage of the funding for the new IRS agents. So, I mean, that's a wash. I mean, it's, it's negligible what they're pulling back there. They're raising the debt ceiling, I believe, by $4 uh, trillion or something like that, you know, through 2035. They don't want to make this uh, come back and be an election issue in 2024. I don't know if I said 2035, 2025. Hmm. Um, it, it's, it's, it doesn't do anything in terms of of, of getting rid of, you know, the, the Green New Deal stuff from Inflation Reduction Act so on and so forth, really. I, I think there's one positive thing in there. It green lights, you know, the construction of some kind of energy, you know, fossil fuel producing, whether it's coal or natural gas or something like that in West Virginia for, for mansion there. But but the, the, the loser in this is the American people. Uh, this does nothing to address the debt. That's the point. And that's what the conversation should be about. And it's I'm so tired of the lie from the Democrats and Republicans playing to this too about, like you said, the cataclysmic. We've never we've never gone that far, uh, and it wouldn't be cataclysmic because the whole point is, you know, we brought in, you know, a record number of, of federal taxes in the United States. Uh, just you know, in last fiscal year, it was it was you know four trillion or maybe it was close. I, for, I forget the exact number, but it was a ton of money. And this money is coming in payroll taxes and everything else every single month. So. The, the reality is that right now we can actually continue to pay our debts. Uh, and if, if, if we didn't raise the debt ceiling, you know, the Congress and the U.S. government would be forced to make the decisions that all of us have to make in our personal lives. They don't have to default on anything. They, would ha- they could just cut spending. And that's what they need to do. So this idea that they're going to default, they can't cut anywhere, uh, it, it is, is outrageous. And, you know, this does nothing to claw back spending to pre-COVID levels. That's the problem, too. I mean, I think that the debt exploded by 40% or something like that uh, because of the COVID spending. That was a mistake all around. Republicans, uh, Trump, I mean, they're all, they're all guilty of that. Um, so I'm just, I'm just tired of, of, of the word. What, what offends me the most, though, is McCarthy trying to take this, like, did, something, did some great deal with Joe Biden. And he did not. He's lying to us. I mean, his big promise to get the speakership, right, to, to hold the gavel, was, you know, on day one they were going to pass legislation that was going to, you know, uh, defund, you know, the IRS, not, not the IRS completely, but they were going to get rid of the 80 billion or whatever it is to hire all those new IRS agents that are going at, go after a bunch of middle-class Americans. 
And, you know, it's an absurd promise because they don't have the Senate, so it was never going to get passed. It was never actually going to happen. So the only way that could happen is in a conversation like this revolving around the debt ceiling, getting rid of that. And he's he's completely folded on that. Um, You know, I saw Newt Gingrich is out there defending the bill. I haven't read what he said yet. I'm curious to see what his his defense of this. Obviously, he's a pretty well-respected conservative. But, you know, the American people are the loser in this. I don't know when they're going to take this seriously. I mean, $31.5 trillion in debt. You know, this is going to bump it up to $35.5 trillion in debt. And uh, when are we going to address the – it's not even an elephant in the room. I mean, it's just – it's just it's, we, we have a, a uncontrollable spending problem in D.C., and most of it's gobbled up by welfare programs, which, of course, by design keep people poor. They don't give them opportunity or take them off. They're designed to keep them enslaved. And those programs need to be reformed as well. And, you know, I just think it's, it's unbelievable. You know, it makes me think of just so many things that just infuriate me, Richard. I mean, when Trump was in there trying to get the wall built at the southern border, they estimated it would be 12 to $15 billion to get the job done. And, and Republicans came out and said, oh, we can't do that because how are we going to pay for this? And they're over there sending over $100 billion to Ukraine, no problem. So, you know, these people don't have their priorities straight. Uh, They certainly are not doing things in the best interest of Americans. And here's the other thing that people don't understand. You know, right now, you know, the the U.S. dollar is still the kind of global reserve currency, but that's quickly uh, coming to an end. I mean, every day in the news, you see Russia meeting with different countries, China, everyone trying to get off of the dollar, the de-dollarization. And and that's a result of the, the Biden administration, too. So. Right now, we can kind of afford to play this this game, even though it's still dangerous, because we can get low interest rates and so on and so forth because of the benefit of being the United States and the dollar being used everywhere. But when that de-dollarization starts to happen, inflation's going to soar. We're not going to be able to get you know cheap debt anymore and so on and so forth and pay it down. And it's going to become an issue that we're going to have to face right now. And those are going to be really painful consequences if that happens. And you know, I don't know why no one wants to address this. You know, it's 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 really. It, it, it's a, you can't do it overnight, but it needs to be done. And the longer we wait, the less options we have. And it's, it's so frustrating. The lives under the new house rules, it only takes one um, member of the house to basically call a vote to have McCarthy removed as speaker of the house. And there are already at least a half a dozen um, Republicans, I guess, part of that freedom caucus who are saying, you know, we don't like this deal. Do you think this could, what could happen is that, that they will they will get rid of McCarthy. He'll lose the gavel. Um, they'll bring in, um, I don't know, someone like a Chip Roy or someone who's, um, you know, a little uh, more of a budget hawk and 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 kibosh this deal. I wish they would. I mean, you're right. It only takes one vote. Somebody could do it. Um, I, I doubt that it would actually result in the removal of, of McCarthy. I mean, Republicans just, <laughs> they're not willing to take quote unquote risks. They're not really willing to be bold ever. I, I don't see them, them looking to, to change who has the gavel right now. I just, I just, that's just the reality of watching this Republican party operate for so long. But look, I mean, if he came in and made all these promises and he showed, I mean, how do you get out maneuvered? I mean, it wasn't Joe Biden, you know, it was the people around him, but, but you know, whatever, he's still the figurehead. So, I mean, how do you get outmaneuvered by a guy who wears a diaper? You know what I mean? This, this is so humiliating. Yeah. They, had, they, had, they had nothing to lose. And, um, and it's just, it, this, I, honestly, I, you know, I'm a conservative first, um, of course, ideologically. So, you know, we have two parties or whatever. So, I, you know, Republican parties, the lesser of the two evils for sure. You've got some good Republicans in there. But this is a, humiliating. It's so humiliating sitting here 
talking about these issues, uh, understanding them uh, apparently with more depth than the people that we elect and send to Washington, D.C. to deal with this stuff. And it's just the same old thing every single time. And it's just it's it's like and I'm not I'm not this way. I'm going to vote and everything else and do what I can to save the country. But, you know, it's like, why vote at all? I mean, that's the that's the scary reaction that a lot of uh, conservatives out there have. What's the point? What's the point anymore? You know, it's, it's the uniparty. Drew Allen is uh, the host of the Drew Allen Show podcast, and you can read his blog and uh, listen to the podcast. Go to drewallen.substack.com. Allen is spelled A-L-L-E-N-A-L-L-E-N, drewallen.substack.com. Drew, thank you so much, as always. Good to hear from you again, and we'll talk again soon. My pleasure. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Richard. All right. That's it for me. My thanks to Jody, Declan, and Jacob, and I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. God willing, I'll speak with you at 4 p.m. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for people who want to know more. And now check out Curiosity's new series, The Real Wild West. Rolling Stone magazine says it's the history of the West they usually don't teach you. The mythology of the West left out a lot of the people. People said they'd never seen a black cowboy. This is the history book, but did you know about these other facts? Watch The Real Wild West now on Curiosity Stream. With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com.